You're listening to the Irish Times. So yesterday was a long day at work, Pat. It was a very long day at work, yeah. <laughs> a long day at work. And frankly, the good listeners of the Out of Time podcast are very lucky that we we're in here this morning <laughs> after our long day of work yesterday. <laughs> and yet, even after a day of being on the sports desk and here yesterday, for some reason, then I went home and watched more sport. Sky Sports News. Yeah. What else would you be at? Or the news, as I call it. The news, indeed. And sitting, dozing, I would imagine, in your comfy armchair. You were awoken by. I was awoken by. Uh, they had the highlights from the, uh, what's it called, the top 14? Top guitarist, Pat. Oh. Jerry Thorny would, it would would turn in his grave well, if we called it the top 14. It's obviously only because of Jerry's influence <laughs> that I paid any attention to the fact that Sky Sports News were showing the highlights of uh, Rassing and uh, Clermont Auvergne. Mm-hmm. Oh, I slipped into trying to pronounce the French word properly there. <laughs> well, you got um, racing, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, but not as... Racing. <laughs> I didn't slip into it quite as badly as the uh, Sky Sports presenter did. Mm-hmm. Uh, because uh, in this game, Claremont absolutely hocked uh, racing. I think it was 1740 or something like that. Yes. And uh, racing got a late consolation try. And the Sky Sports presenter told us that the try was scored by... Simon Zebo. Simon Zebo. <laughs> and I immediately did look up and go, that looks an awful lot like Simon Zebo going into the corner there. And I mean, far be it from us, you know, there, but for the grace of God, I'm sure we have mispronounced many, many names. Yes. But Simon Zebo. Yeah, they have really <laughs> naturalised uh, the, the guy with the strong Cork accent really quickly in, into France. Former minor hurler, yeah. Simon Zebo. <laughs> all-time, isn't the all-time leading guy, a try scorer for Munster. But we're already, we've changed his name. Yes. Now, well, that. I look forward to them talking about Paul O'Connell. <laughs> They've actually Dunica Ryan is in that team as well. I wonder what they're going to do with Dunica, isn't it? Yeah, <laughs> it, does, it does remind me of watching uh, Sky Sports. What you, what do you call the thing? Soccer Saturday. Ah, yes. Uh, with Jeff Stelling. Yes. Years ago, and I think it was around the time when uh, Richie Sadler was playing at Millwall, and he was kind of newish on the scene. I think. Yeah, I think we're talking oh three or oh four ish. Yeah. Yeah. And. Do you want to do the pronunciation? Richard Sadlier. Yes, that was glorious. <laughs> that's Jeff Stelling just saw the name written down and just assumed that this is the, the way we're going to go and put pronounce it. I think it's a tribute to Richie that he just didn't become known as that yeah, that's later true. in yeah. life. Like that that never stuck. It's got a ring to it in it fairness. Is, yeah. Better <laughs> ring than Simon Zebo. Well, look, this is this is what we have for the winter. Yeah. The, the, the gas GA summer is, is finished. We are here in the morning after another Dublin All-Ireland final. We've nothing to look forward to until, well, I guess the Munster Hurling Championship next summer, more or less, really. There's no, you know, it's all, it's all done now. Uh, so, um, you know, laughing at mispronounced rugby names for the winter is basically what's going to get gonna us through That's going to be a lot, yeah. Yeah, indeed. Uh, so that and the old firm, which we watched a little of yesterday, and yeah. we'll be talking to Michael Walker a little bit about later on. But I guess we may as well get to the football. Yes. And indeed, to talk about the football, Pat, we have a special guest in this morning. Monaghan star forward Conor McManus is here. Come on, Malaghy. How are you? Thank you for coming in. And Sean Moran, indeed. How are you, Sean? Grand, thanks. Uh, Conor, for all of us, you know, we were there yesterday and 
I don't know, did you feel this? I certainly felt it, that, that like for a quarter of the game, it was, hey, Jesus, there could be a game here. And then it was over really very quickly after that. Was that, is that how it felt? That, that, that's pretty much how it was, Malachi. Um, we were all sitting there, Tyrone maybe went five or six, one up, and you're thinking, you know, there's a, there was a big bit of a feeling around the, 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 the stadium at that stage, this could be Tyrone's day. Um Dublin get the penalty within a couple of minutes of that to tag on two or three more scores and the game was effectively over with us. and mm. it's, it's funny to say that because it only went two or three points up at that stage but you could just feel the whole shift and the whole stadium shifted after that after the penalty mm. and that's the thing Sean like Tom didn't have to do an awful lot wrong like I, I wrote about it today they essentially made a balls of three kickouts and did one stupid foul on Johnny Cooper over by the sideline and it led to 2-2 two, two. And, and that was it yeah but there was there were other aspects of that first quarter. I mean, one was that Dublin were really ill at ease and, mm. and doing un-Dublin-like things. Dean Rock missing two frees, which you know. Whatever about one of them, the, the, yeah, the second two. one was a really mm. bad, and like a really a, screwed A one. sense of unease going through. Mm. He, he actually had a bad day uh, kicking in the drawn final in 2016. Mm. Uh, and because he's so reliable, normally speaking, it, it really does undermine the, yeah. the sense of well-being of the team. Uh, but also the other thing was that Tyrone actually didn't submit a full bill for their domination of that first quarter. Like they, uh, you know, they kicked wides and uh, they, they they should have had more in hand. And I think what happened was, um, and funny enough, I always just remember, because Cluxon's kickouts as well, including the one that he tried to pull on the shortest man in the field, uh, right. uh, on Merchant, um, had gone two in succession, had gone wrong. Like All the classic signs of things going on for Dublin were, were in evidence. But I thought it was a really, uh, a really gutsy long kick uh, that just about got to Jack changed. McCaffrey. I thought it changed the game. Uh, and I felt like it at the time. And of all the people you want... Just about getting a ball on the sideline, McCaffrey, and off he went on the Kilkenny point. Because do you remember that, that one? I did, yeah, down, down long under the Cusack stand, and it just just made it to Jack McCaffrey, and the whole thing opened up after that. Because it and was, Dublin, Dublin yeah, needed a score. Kilkenny really settled did, yeah, the thing they were down. Yeah, five one down. Got the score. Got a, got a point on the edge of the D to make it five two, and it just felt as if right. You looked at the scoreboard after all thrones down. So there's only three points in this here. And I think that, in fairness to Cluxton is nearly the genius of him because he, he basically made McCaffrey's mind up for him mm. because McCaffrey had kind of gone out to the wing and was nearly looking for a settling ball you know kind of yeah. look our last few just, have gone bad here and he actually played at the other side of the Tyrone player and yeah. said Jack yeah. you've got to go for yeah. this he made his mind up for him yeah no it was it was it was it was a massive like for something that seemed so small, just one kick out, it was actually a massive part of that part of that first half because Dublin were pretty much hemmed in at that stage. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cluxton had pulled one or two out over the sideline as well. James McCaffrey, Johnny Cooper, different fellows were after getting turned over coming out of defence, and it just didn't look like Dublin were were entirely settled. Now that's credit to Tyrone because they they didn't allow them to, but that score was 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 a big was a big moment in the game, and, and as I said, it, it seems fairly small, but. It was, you know. And then you you had the situation where if we accept Tyrone might have done a little bit better with the the chances they had in that opening period where when Dublin, as soon as there was a trace of blood in, in the water uh, and, you know, Morgan, who can be erratic, and he'd been great up to that point, but then the first one goes wrong and suddenly, you know, uh, everyone's in. And, and, Couldn't and, get and, out of their and, half. And Dublin just... Um, exploited the whole thing and in that and it wasn't even the, the second goal I mean people could go on to the you know the, the, the 28 minute or whatever but it was that 
kind of five minute period where it yeah. went from one five, um, you know, to to, to, to Dublin being to one four, one, four to five, to five yeah. ahead, and it was only two point lead. But it was a bit like you know, about scraping along the rocks. It's, it's not going to go down Im- immediately, but you know that it's kind of doomed yeah. from then on. And you felt that about it, even with a two point lead. What's the what is it that Dublin do, Connor? Like that, like like to us from the outside looking on, it's like that they they just they're kind of ruthless in punishing mistakes. But what does that what's that tangibly mean? Yeah, well, Dublin like, and and it probably wasn't evident in this team, you know, this year as much as it has been in Dublin teams the past number of years. But Dublin could beat you in five minutes. Like I know, I remember we played Dublin two thousand fourteen quarter final I think after 25 minutes it was 5 each or 4 each or something like that there and within 5 minutes it was 2-6 to 4 points you know and, and they just they just have the ability to, to really blitz you they, they bring a wave of, of intensity and a wave of you know attacks onto you and it's just you're completely hemmed in you're under pressure and as I say the that that's just effectively what they did yesterday. They got that penalty, and within two minutes of the penalty, they had three points rattled off. And as Sean says, two point lead, but it felt like a five or six point mm-hmm. lead. You know, I talked to Kieran Kilkenny afterwards, and I was saying like, what what's that like? Because he didn't touch the ball for the first twelve minutes, and if you think about Kieran Kilkenny, all he all his game is getting <clears> on the ball, linking the play, like being involved. And I said, well, like, what's that? What's that like? You know, you lo- you like to get into a game, and he says. It was frustrating. You just have to wait and wait and be patient. But he says that once we sensed it, we got into it. Mm. And we really pressed up hard in their kickouts. And that's what it was. Like, it was that exactly as you say, Sean, that six-minute period where they just murdered Morgan's kickouts. Like, he could, could, there was nothing open to him. And any little window that kind of opened up to him, it was closed like that. But I wonder to what extent did that, that, Blitz opening, um, fatigue, Tyrone. Because at, at stages, I mean, Morgan's hands are up, looking for someone mm. to make make a move, and they they just looked a bit kind of flattened. But at that stage, I mean, they, they weren't making things easy for him either. Uh, and uh, I, I I think that you know, it's when matches turn almost. The more more heavy the momentum, one way that when you turn it around, yeah. it can be really uh, hard on the, the team that it happens to. And that was the thing, Malachy. Mm-hmm. In the second half, the momentum had turned so much, and Dublin were gone into their clinical mode. They had no wides at all in the second half, and in a game that I think they hit six in the first half and none in the yeah. second half. And Tyrone, as we said, were spilling opportunities yeah. constantly. That's how they get away from you, really, isn't it? Well, it's not even that they get away. Like they, it was seven points. Difference at half time and was it seven yeah. at the end? Like so, six at the end, yeah. so they're just they. I think they're a different side now than they were mm. like th- maybe three years ago. Like three years ago, they w- they would probably would have won that game yeah. by 12, 13 points. Yeah. Would have just blitzed away from them. But they're they're just happy now to win. They're mm. happy to contain. They're happy to to just play their game. Uh, do the do the basics yeah, that they do. Kevin McStay made the the point that uh, if you look at it, that they take the first quarter out where where they were under pressure and turn were at their best. But at half time they led by seven. At the end of the third quarter they led by seven, and at the full time whistle they led by six. So in other words, they kind of managed it out from half time on. They're more methodical in how in how they approach. Like I was making that point just before the game yesterday. A couple of years ago, you had, you had Bernard Brogan in his in his prime. You had Bern, or Paul Flynn in his prime. Dermot Connolly flying, and they would just go out and go after you. They really just put the game to bed in a, in a five ten minute period. 
this Dublin team just seem to be that bit more methodical and 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 you know systematic in their in their approach nearly that as you say they're managing games and they're just seeing it out and and they're content enough to do that. And is that Connor? Is that is that what the game is becoming sort of at at that elite level? <coughs> it's a it's a sort of a. Is it the influence of maybe statistics? Is it the influence of of, of coaching? Is it that it that it comes to you? Like conservative is the wrong way to put it because conservative kind of implies you know you're parking the bus or whatever, mm. but maybe conservative attacking. Do you know what, do you know yeah, what I'm getting well, at? You can see that in Dublin's play at times, and, and I don't think I don't think there's a, any or many of the other teams in the country have that luxury of of conservative attacking play. <laughs> you know, you're you're going out and you're trying to score and you're trying to trying to better your your result all the time. Whereas Dublin, at times like the the there was a lot of backward passing from Dublin yesterday. There was times they went into the thirteen and the twenty. Right back out to midfield and go across and go again. I think there's maybe one one clip yesterday where they, they held the ball for maybe 65, 60, mm. 60 seconds. Or with the Fenton point. And, and, and Fenton. And, yeah. and there was one in the first half as well where Dean Rock kicked a point and they did something similar. They were down along the, the Hogan stand at one stage into the 20, into the 13, came out, went across, down along that side, came back out, and eventually Dean Rock kicked a point maybe after 65, 66 seconds of possession. So... Not many other teams have the have the capabilities of of being that patient, and as I say, they've no problem with going fifty yards backwards to go, mm. you know, forwards. Again. What's that like to play against? Oh, it's, it's it's tough, you know, and particularly particularly when you're chasing a lead, like you know, it's um, when you're five or six points down and Dublin start this, um, you know, that's 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 draining on any team, you know, that's as a team you want to get the ball turned over and try and hit them as yeah, because it's demoralising yeah. as much as that. Yeah, it? yeah, chasing shadows. So here we sit, lads, like, you know, four in a row, Sean, uh, and a lot of the commentary this morning and even last night and, you know, I've my column was about it this morning is is shadowed by this, you know, this eternal empire that, that or this fear of an eternal Dublin empire. Mm. Like, I know that history tells us that, that these things turn and, and, you know, five... Mm minor titles in a row for Kerry would suggest you know that that at least they're going to have a, a playing staff to to get at this but it it is very noticeable that this is what has colored the yeah you know the mood music around uh, this now well, it, it has uh, my theory is that you know for a long time and this the, the history of the of the GA uh that the disproportion between the between the counties and the fact that you know the capital city with its population of 1.3 million is competing in the same competition, yeah. you know, as, as Monaghan, for instance, or Leitrim or the, mm. the, the, the small population <coughs> counties. I think there is a probably an elemental fear there that's not unreasonable, that if, because Gaelic Games has struggled in Dublin for long periods of, of the city's history, that if Dublin got their act together, would there be any stopping them? In other words, if they begin to exploit the resources. Um, I'm not... I'm not convinced uh, uh, at the moment because I think we're 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 in record equaling territory and there'll be a crack at the the, the five in a row, which is a, a very totemic like a holy thing, a holy grail. Yeah. Um, but I think you've got to look at Dublin overall. And Maliki, you've done work on this in the past, saying how the average age is actually coming down yeah. a bit. So the, there's a lot of replacement going on. But I think if you look beyond that, um, their bench, which is a powerful part of their, their, their artillery um, they're nearly all in their 30s at, the, yes. at this stage um, key figures you know like 
Cluxton, I suppose specifically, who's, who's now uh, in his late thirties, um, people like Keane O'Sullivan, they managed without him uh, yesterday. Uh, but you know, he'd be, when he pa- goes on, he, yeah. they, that's going to be he a, that's and Philly will, will definitely and, go. And, in and the I next think as well years, as that, yeah. that disproportionately they are affected uh, at the back because I think when you look at it, okay, it's been disguised a bit by Owen Merchant coming in uh, this year, but a lot of the defenders. You look at the fullback. Uh, candidates normally, you know, the Philly McMahon and uh, Johnny Cooper and Michael Fitzsimons. Um, you know, th- they're all thirty and, and pushing on. So I think the job of replacement becomes more of an issue. You can replace a couple of players, but but it affects your, uh, you know, your resources overall because you don't have the, the strength on the bench. And as the and if the bench is getting old as well, there's going to be an awful lot of uh, replacement needed. And then finally. I think the the argument about resources and everything else is slightly unfair on Jim Gavin, who I think has been an outstanding coach in terms of a, a of a manager. Yeah. And when he decides to to move on, I think that will be a big challenge as as well for for, for Dublin. So I, I'm not entirely pessimistic about it in the long term that Dublin are simply going to eat the GA uh, over the next few years. But they're they're well placed at the moment to have a crack at the five mm. next year. But as you say yourself, Kerry, you have a lot of good young players uh, coming through and they'll be under new management next year. Everyone's back to the, the, the starting tape, you know, in, in January and we'll see what happens. That's great. Sean's giving us some reasons to be cheerful, I suppose. <laughs> Connor, from your point of view, you have to compete against these lads these lads, do you just have to ignore this kind of talk about a Dublin Empire because you just can't let it get into your mindset? Yeah, well, I suppose, you know, when you're going out to play them, you're not thinking about that or thinking how dominant they are or how dominant they have been. You're all the, way, all the time just focusing on the game in front of you and, and how you can potentially beat them, you know. So uh, I think, <clears throat> yes, that they, they are obviously the dominant side and, and favourites to go on ahead and, and, and do the five in a row. But from, from, a, from an opposition point of view, you're not you're not sitting there, you know, admiring these boys or, you know, putting them up on a pedestal. You have to try and just get on with it and and, and find ways of beating them. Now, that's not easily done because every team in the country has struggled with that so far. But they are, you know, and, and as Sean says, I think it's a massive, massive part of Dublin is, is Jim Gavin, you know, and, and how he has managed this team and how he has trans, transitioned them from where they were at the start of his reign to now. And... Um, you know, as long as he's he's around, Dublin are going to be very hard to, to beat. I think that's such a key thing. And I, I, like, they would never admit it. But I think the fact that he, Declan Darcy and Jason Sherlock played in those Dublin teams around the turn of the century that went seven years without winning Leinster. Like, if you can imagine that, they went seven whole years without winning a Leinster title. And Gavin and Darcy and, and J.O. were on on those teams year after year. And, like, there's no back door. So they were finished their, their summer in early June kind of thing. Like, I think that is part of... Because I do look at that at that Dublin team, it would have been so easy for them to rest on their laurels of, you know, keeping Bernard Brogan as, you know, the preeminent forward in the country and, and wringing every last drop out of him, wringing every last, moving heaven and earth that Dermot Connolly didn't spend a summer watching uh, watching Dublin win in All-Ireland uh, from Boston. You know, that they just, that Gavin and J.O. and Declan Darcy, their idea was to keep turning this team over, keep building mm-hmm. it to last. And like that, that's... And obviously, then they have the resources coming up from underneath the playing resources. I mean, coming I, up I from underneath, was a, and that's. I, th- I thought there was a, a really telling moment 
we were laughing in the, the press box you know, thought Dermot Connolly is maybe in some pub in Boston and all these hangers on around him saying, ah, you know, Dermot, you should be out there and all the rest. And and, and the moment crystallising when they get a penalty, you know, a penalty in an All-Ireland final, which is real Connolly territory and, uh, and, he, and he did it uh, so well before. And almost when, when Paul Mannion just rifled that shot in, into the net, it was almost as if, you know, this was the the final word on Jeremy yeah. Connolly's absence. Especially, especially since, I, well, now I don't know this, but I would guess before the game, Dean Rock was probably down as the penalty taker, but he had missed two frees. Yeah. And so Manion just said... Manion had hit a penalty in the league earlier, I remember that, all right. Yeah. One, he missed it, actually. I think he, 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 he missed one as well, Connor, I think, in the, in the Leinster final, yeah, did he? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so, well, maybe I'm wrong then, but, but you're exactly right. Like, yeah. you know that... that Sorry, Dermo, like the, yeah, life this goes is on. life goes on and, and, and that's what it is. And I think that's like that overarching thing is is I think what people kind of worry about a bit. Mm-hmm. Like like what like where where are we if in three years they're going for seven in a row or eight in a row, you know? Sorry, retired. Connor. <laughs> retired. <laughs> but that, and, and and like I don't know that there's any any obvious solution either, you know. No, but I mean, look, sure everything plays out. I, I mean, the po- point I would I make about Dublin uh, in a funny way, given that they've equaled the, the championship record, is that in history we possibly look back on them for their league as well, and the oh, fact yeah. that they just they lose so few matches yeah. in, in you know all, all year round, and when you take it and you're going through the league and you're trialing players and you're putting out different selections and, and that and you're managing the you know the the, the requirements and the Sigerson and everything else and yes and they still keep going exactly and uh, you're playing in games that nobody's going to take you by the ear yeah. if if you if you lose uh, yeah. down in Tralee on a Saturday night you know nobody's going to say and, ah you you know you guys don't care anymore instead they're kind of collectors pieces yeah even the league defeats yeah, but yeah. uh well, we'll see. We'll see anyway. I mean, I, I, I still have this view that you know, over the 130 years or so of, of the GA, there's been a reason why teams haven't, by and large, gone beyond that. The, haven't gone beyond the four in a row. Uh, now, maybe someone's going to do the five in a row at some at some point. But, but the point of those reasons, Sean, was was things like teams aging together. Like the, the big comparison that Dublin fans have been saying mm-hmm. when whenever because even Cluxton like had a pop at it. Like the thing that changes makes them different to Kilkenny's four-in-a-row team, is that that Kilkenny team aged together, that Kilkenny team had nothing like the funding that Dublin have, and that Kilkenny team weren't picking from a population that's a quarter of the country. And as you said, they have now... It's it's a machine, the production line that they have. And surely now the circumstances are there that do make things worry that this could be a new thing in 125 years of the GEA. Maybe so, but uh, uh, I'd want to see the... the I'd want to see the actual... Evidence of it. I, I believe that. But we're seeing the evidence of it. Well, we're not because we haven't broken new ground yet. And I think that when you look at Dublin, when there are key personalities in that Dublin setup uh, that won't be around forever. And I'm just not convinced that they will just replace. It's a bit like the Leinster rugby team. I mean, the, they have won their, their four European titles. But there have been key individuals at the heart of, of all of those those wins, and we judge it then 
where they're not there anymore. I'm not saying you're, you're wrong, Pat, but I'm just not sure that the tip, tipping point in terms of the evidence is there. And maybe when, when it comes, but it's, that's a serious existential moment for the GEA because it means that the county system is broken yeah. and, you know, you're going to have to do something yeah, about I, it. Yeah, now, I think that's now. what the fear is. Yeah, and, what, yeah. and what you do, I don't, I, I don't know at that stage because, I mean, Dublin people don't react that well to the idea of being broken up into municipal boroughs no. uh, <laughs> in their daily yeah, lives never exactly. mind in their football yeah, team yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> so uh, it's uh, but I, I, I can understand where, 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 where it's coming from but I can understand if you like the snippiness of, of Cluxton like they've done uh, this great thing that's and the second All-Ireland speech he's mentioned money and resources yeah, in, yeah. and that, that people are saying yeah. you know well, well sure Money what never, else would they do but win all Ireland? Yeah, exactly. You know? yeah. How did you feel yesterday, Connor? A little pang sitting there watching uh, the the, the uh, red and white uh, army go out. Wait, all right, Malik. There's no point, no point saying any different because from our point of view, you know, it, it was well documented in the media over the last number of years about us trying to get two semi-finals and hadn't hadn't broken that glass ceiling over our heads. But when we did that, there we had a really good chance of being in the final. Um, we had put ourselves in a decent position. You know, towards the end of the semi-final, and just just didn't just didn't get over the line. Played didn't play particularly well, and still probably could have been in the final. You know, so it was disappointing that end of things. But you know, you just have to put it behind you and and, and move on. So we'll 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 uh, draw a line under that. Now. I will, Connor. I'll put it behind me and, and move on. Actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we'll we'll see where next year takes us. But we'll start, look at I suppose from our end of things, where we'll go into into next year with renewed confidence and belief because. You know, you you do apart from obviously Dublin and where they're at. You're not a million miles away from 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 things at the minute, and I suppose you know that maybe better now than ever mm-hmm. um, over the last number of years. And particularly after other quarter final games, you were look back and and probably been honest with yourself. Probably weren't good enough at the time to be at that level, you know. But now you, you would feel that if you could if you could get a few small improvements over the next six or eight months, you would know where where it would take you, you know. That's the spirit. Listen, Connor, thanks a million for coming in this morning. Thanks, Sean. No problem. And uh, that's it. GA season over, Pat. On to the rugby. On to the rugby. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, lad. The old firm happened over the weekend, Pat. It did, yes. Stephen Gerrard's first old firm game. Stephen Gerrard against Brendan Rodgers, which I, I guess is a, a route into it for all of us who have kind of drifted away from Scottish football over the over the years. Well, in fairness, it's not like Rangers Celtic usually needs much, but it's needed a spark in the last couple of years it because of how does, much yeah. uh, Celtic have dominated Scotland. So, And Gerrard has been the spark. Michael Walker is on the line. Michael, uh, you were at uh, Jared's press conference on Friday and obviously you watched yesterday. What did you make of the game yesterday? I thought the, the game yesterday was uh, more interesting than uh, than has been portrayed in some quarters. I thought, um, I, I don't know, there was seemed to be this expectation that um, Rangers would go toe-to-toe with um, Celtic and then people seemed to be disappointed that they didn't. You know, I just thought that Rangers would would be conservative and defensive uh, in the first half and then try and, you know, uh, try and do something a bit later on in the game if they could. You know, they're they're up against... They, I, I think they had realism whenever they were coming into this. You know, they were up against uh, the champions and, you know, a fully formed team. Rangers are, are neither of those. Um, so you have to be pragmatic in that, in that situation. And I, I, I don't think he was... Gerard's, you know, team selection was massively um, over-defensive. I think it was, you know, realistically defensive. 
a one nil win uh, for Celtic in the end. I think you're right. Like it's um, it is the sort of game that uh, I think sort of almost casual observers, because of the bit of star power that Gerard adds to it, people kind of think it's right. Well, Rangers are back back now. They you know and 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 they can. Um, think of competing with Celtic on their terms but there there is still a huge disparity between the two clubs oh yeah it's a, it's enormous you know and they just uh if you if you set aside if people can for a minute you know the the, the fact that it's Stephen Gerrard's you know 10th you know it's his, his 12th game as a manager and you know whereas Brendan Rodgers has been managing for years upon years and has been inside Scottish football inside Celtic you know, so his knowledge and experience, and uh, but but that that's that's an advantage, but more so on the pitch. You know, um, I, I I was sort of you're watching um, yesterday, and Scott Brown is is up against Ove Jaria. You know, Ove Jaria is 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 twenty. He mm. I, I saw him on loan at Sunderland last season, but like he made you know he I, he made about. 10 appearances for Sunderland but like only 5 of those were like 90 minute appearances you know some of those were him coming on as an 83rd minute sub right yeah you know it's, it's just like the the idea that he's a sort of um comparable midfielder to Scott Brown who's won 8 titles and has played almost 500 matches for Celtic you know that is that tells you where where Rangers are as a squad you know I think Ajari has played in Scottish football I think he's played against Aberdeen, 90 minutes. No, he didn't. He actually came on as a sub against Aberdeen. So he's played against like St. Murren and Motherwell. You know, and then he's and then he's asked to play midfield in an old firm match at Celtic Park, you know, where Rangers have 800 fans. So, you know, in that kind of circumstance, I thought he did pretty well for a 20-year-old footballer, you know. Um, And, but, you know, and, and I think... You can make you can make a case for that kind of inexperience of of Gerard and his squad and his team coming together, you know, because the idea that Rangers are on a on a comparable footing economically, in terms of their manager or in terms of their squad, is is incorrect. You know, it is the old firm in name, you know, but it isn't. These are not two comparable squads uh, or comparable clubs at the minute, as as I see it anyway. In fairness, um, Brendan Rodgers is a, a renowned coach at this point and, and Celtic looked like a well-coached team. I think a lot of people were curious to see what a Steven Gerrard team looked like. Yeah. And like the last time they played Celtic, they got beaten 5-0. They went through in Europe during the week playing with nine men. I think at the very least you could say that they're, he's transferred some belligerence into them, hasn't he? Oh, yeah, I think he has made an impact. You know, I, like on Friday I was... He's quite an impressive talker, Stephen Gerrard. In now that he's sort of been released from that sort of post-match player interview, you know, um, where you the you know the players always seem to be sort of uh, ensuring that they don't say anything. He's he's a bit more um, uh, expansive, and and he he talks well. And you sort of think, well, actually, communication is quite a, an important part of management. So it's it's um, he's. I can imagine that he would impress people, and the the little speech that he gave to Rangers TV after um, after they went through in Europe on Thursday night was really, if you you know if you were in a dressing room watching that, you'd think, yeah, I'd play for you, 
I'd I'd play I'd run hard for you, and um, so he has he has been able to transfer something into the the team. He's also changed a lot of the personnel, so it, so it is a new team, and um, I think you know let's be honest, they could have lost five 0 You know, I mean, you know, they you know Celtic hit the woodwork three times. It was you know it was like that old Martin O'Neill joke whenever he was playing for Forest and he said that. They hit the post so often in one game they had to take the post to the hospital <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> you know, so it was a bit. It was a bit like that. You know, it was it was, it was siege football. You know, so he's got you know he's got siege defensive siege mentality and and Celtic are besieging the team. You know, so mm. it was like siege football, especially in that first half, and um, and they they equipped themselves okay. They they rode their luck, but um, the more interesting thing will be. In the weeks to come, you know, whenever they're having to, to you know, they're expected to beat Dundee at home and go to St Johnston and win and things like that. It's know. an interesting job for Gerard, Michael, isn't it? Like, I remember when when he took it uh, at the start of the summer. You know, everybody's kind of going, "What are you doing?" Like, they, yeah. like that's yeah. such a. <laughs> it's like that is that is not the place to cut your teeth, buddy. Like the you know, yeah. and well, uh, and yet maybe it is like maybe because because it is a job that has. Has scope at least in theory, whatever about the practicalities of it. But it, because it is, it is something like the, there is something big time about it. If even in philosophy, whether you know, as you say, the reality of it is that economically and squad wise, it's 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 actually quite a small job. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I was I was as flabbergasted as anybody else that he took it, and I assumed that the only reason he took it was because he he was told behind the scenes that he would be given scope economically to change the change the team because the team that that he was inheriting uh, you know lost you know they lost their last three games to Celtic you know um at the end of last season pretty comfortable well the first game was you know at Ibrox I was at that match and there were you know it was three two to Celtic um, and Rangers actually did pretty well in that first half, but then Celtic win three two with ten men, and then win the next two games four 0 and five 0 mm. And and in each game that you know, in the Scottish Cup they're two 0 at half time, and the in the league game that they Celtic claim the title, they are three 0 at half time. So it's comfortable. So that is that is essentially the squad that he's inheriting and has to, you know, transform. And he's done that by ins and outs. You know, so I think someone said to me that almost tw- maybe twenty have gone. You know, nine or nine or eleven or something have come in, um, and you're, you know, so y- you have to change the personnel, but then you have to forge a team within that. Um, and one measure will be, of course, that you know, whenever they're drawn three three at Motherwell, that's one measure, and people will be underwhelmed by that, um, perhaps rightly. Um, but then another measure is the progress in to reach the Europa League, so that so pretty soon they'll be playing Villarreal. Now mm. Rangers haven't been in that kind of company for a while, so I, that's a that's a step. I think the other thing um, that might help him that we didn't really see coming, Michael, is the fact that Celtic have come back towards the pack a little bit this season, haven't they? Brendan Rodgers hasn't had the easiest of summers himself. No, he hasn't, um, and that's. Um, that's why yesterday felt like a pretty important match for Celtic, you know, and uh, you could sort of see in their reaction at the end how important it felt to them um, that they just want to sort of 
ensure that they are number one in Glasgow and number one in Scotland because they're, the club's pride will have been dented by the Champions League qualification uh, or the, the failure of it. Um, so that in terms of prestige, then you've had you know the Boyata and Dembele situations. Um, and also you have that sort of niggling away in the background. You know, Brendan Rodgers has you know, done the um, treble twice, hasn't he? Um, and he's sort of thinking how 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 excited can he be playing Livingston away? Yeah. You know, I, as a coach, <laughs> as a club, as, you know, whatever. You know, you just, you know, there is that, there is that sort you of... You do wonder if Brendan Rodgers thought he'd be there this season. Well, yeah, it's bound to be in your head, you know. It, it would only, it would, you know, it... It's a human thing, you know. He's, he's he ha- at some point he'll think about himself in terms of his career, um, and where does his career go? You know, does you know? I know he has said that he would like to stay at Celtic and win, you know, the uh, nine in a row or ten in a row, but that would require another, you know, another three years if it's ten in a row, um, and I don't know if that's I don't know if he's. If that overriding motivation is enough to keep you going week to week, indeed, yeah, and it's the the brand, his own brand, though may have may have suffered, you know, with like like how much is a six seven Scottish leagues in a row worth if they're not if they don't go along with playing Champions League proper every year, you yeah. know, and that that that's the sort of sticky wicked for him, you know, that that is all very well him kind of going or. or Asking, is he really that excited about Livingstone away? But then again, who, what, what job really is there for him if if Celtic aren't if he's not taking them through to the Champions League every year? Well, that that that's the thing. But it's 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 even that kind of mindset that you know him and his agents and people around you know you know he is. Managers are players are one man brands now mm. in some at at a certain level, so so people do have to think sort of strategically about where they're going to be in two to three years. However, football just doesn't work like that. No. You know, it's it's so random and that you you know, Celtic can have two or three bad games and suddenly he he doesn't look who he who he was, and that's that's partly our fault. Um, I mean, in public terms, not just in media terms. It's partly our fault that we the rush to judgment is so quick that two or three bad games and people are saying, you know, forget what whatever coach or player has done over the previous five years. You know, look at how bad they were two weeks ago. <laughs> you know, it's just like, you know, we all need to sort of um, calm down. And however, um, the uh, you know the the people around individuals. You know, do think in in strategic in strategic terms. So it will be interesting to see how he how he. Th- it'd be really interesting to know what he truly feels about where Celtic can go, and because um, you would have thought that after the, his Champions League experience, his big aim would be to make the next step in the Champions League. Mm. Now they haven't even reached it. So he must be subdued by that. Indeed. Uh, listen, thanks a million, uh, Michael. Uh, we'll uh, catch up with you as the season goes along. Uh, thanks also to Connor and Sean who were in uh, talking about the guy earlier on. Uh, thank you, Pat. Thanks, Bob. And cheers to Declan behind the desk. Uh, and we'll see you all again next week. Folks. Thanks a million.